0: Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Again, the final from T-Mobile Park. And why am I saying again? Because for two nights in a row, it's the Indians 3, the Seattle Mariners 7. The Indians uh, drop the uh, Saturday night game to the former Cleveland Indian first-round draft pick, Justice Sheffield. I'm David Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And so far, this West Coast trip is not shaping up the way the Indians had hoped. Uh, They're going to have to get behind Shane Bieber today and see if they can split this series with the Mariners, salvage this series with the Mariners. And yeah, uh, let's get into the storylines. It's going to be another quick episode. I got to work again today. Got old man softball today. So let's get into these storylines. And the first storyline Was this a revenge game for Justice Sheffield? Uh, It's his first time facing the Indians. Uh, He was traded. Now, you got to remember the history on Justice Sheffield. He was a first-round pick of the Indians in 2014. He was uh, pick number 31 in that first round. So he signs with the Indians. He bypasses a chance to go to Vanderbilt, which we know Vanderbilt has turned into a little bit of a pitching factory. Vanderbilt might have two of the – they might have the first two overall picks this year. I mean, that's how good the two pitchers coming out of Vanderbilt are. So he passes up Vanderbilt. He's a first-round pick. He goes into the Indians' system, and he does all right. But time comes, the 2016 trade deadline, and the Indians are going after Andrew Miller – and we all know how that works out for the Cleveland Indians. So it sends Sheffield and Clint Frazier and Ben Heller and J.P. reason Fier- I have no idea how to say that name. reason. Let's just go with reason. Sends all four of them to the Yankees. He makes it up to the majors in the Yankees. Um, it's a September call-up as a reliever. He pitches a little bit for the Yankees. And then on uh, in the offseason in 2018, he's traded along with Dom Thompson-Williams and Eric Swanson to the Mariners for James Paxton, and that has not worked out well for the Yankees or for James Paxton, to be honest. The guy can't stay healthy. So uh, Sheffield makes his Mariners debut on April 26, 2019, starts, eight, uh, starts seven games for Seattle that season. All right. In 2020, he was four and three with a three five eight ERA in 10 starts in 2020. So he is in their rotation now. He is here. He's only 25 years old. Remember, we got him out of high school. So you know, we drafted him out of high school. So he's only 25 years old. And yeah, it felt like a little bit of a revenge game for Justice Sheffield. Uh, let's see. Let's go with the box score here. Let's look at his final line. Six innings pitched, five hits, two earned runs, only two walks, only two strikeouts. So once again, that's kind of two days in a row where they're not striking us out. I mean, we've seen other guys dominate us with a strikeout. Sheffield wasn't striking us out. He was just, I guess, inducing weak contact. Um, I can't even say that. I mean, he gave up a ton of hard hit balls yesterday. He gave up one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine hard hit balls yesterday. And this is one of those situations where, you know, these advanced stats tell you, well, as long as the Indians keep hitting the ball hard, right? As long as they keep up the exit velocity, things will happen, right? Expected batting average and all those things. Uh, the expected batting average for the Indians yesterday was 261. For the Mariners, it was only 197. Guess what? The Mariners won. Seven to three. So I don't care what the expected batting average was. We couldn't get the job done yesterday. I mean, we we had nine hits. The Mariners had 10. They were two for six with runners in scoring position. We were two for nine with runners in scoring position. Somehow for them, it turns into seven runs. For us, only three. Does the home run ball help? You bet it does. You bet it does. Three run home runs make the uh kind of blow out whatever the expected batting averages are and any kind of metrics. When you put three across with one swing, that will run up the score in a hurry. So uh, what was Sheffield using against us? He uh, he doesn't throw a fastball very often. He throws a hard sinker. That's kind of his fastball. So he throws his slider 37 times, his sinker 34 times, his changeup 19 times, and his fastball only four times. And none of his pitches were incredibly effective. Uh, The sinker is a weird one here. It has the highest CSW, a 38%, because he got 13 called strikes with the sinker. But on 10 swings, the Indians had zero whiffs on the the sinker. So when they went for the sinker, uh, they got it. But apparently, they were just letting a lot of them go, uh, not getting a good read on that pitch, I guess. Uh, and when they did swing, and when they did hit it, they fouled off five. They put five sinkers in play. They had an average exit velocity of 103.2. That was the average. The minimum was 98. The max was 107.9. So when they did swing at the sinker, not only were they hitting it, but they were hitting it hard. It just wasn't translating last night. Uh, it wasn't for Jose Ramirez, but that's it. So that's what Justice Sheffield was doing against us, and. Just mentioned Jose Ramirez. That's our next storyline because the whole offense last night, the entire, op- well, not the entire offense, but a good 75% of the offense ran through Jose Ramirez last night. He was three for three with three doubles uh, and a walk in his final at bat. It was a bizarre day for Jose Ramirez. In the first inning, he's, uh, he's stranded out there. It was a two-out double. He hits it to the opposite field which is pretty crazy. I pulled up Jose Ramirez's uh, individual baseball savant page, right? His individual stack cast page. And I went to the spray chart so I could look at it from the left-handed side and from the right-handed side. For the left-handed side, he has two singles up the middle. Everything else is second base into the right field line. I mean, he's got three doubles down that right field line into that right field corner, and then he's got a ton of home runs all clustered uh, in the right field corner, basically. Um, I mean, he, doesn't, he hasn't even hit a home run to right center yet. That's, that's how crazy this is. He has not hit a home run. He hit one triple at the top of the wall in right center. Uh, but he has not even hit a home run to right center. Then you flip it around and you look at him swinging from the uh, right side of the plate. And he has put a few singles into right center. But this is the first time he's gone for extra bases to the opposite field. The first inning, he hits it off the top of the wall. Hit it so hard, left a dent in the wall, which uh, Rick Manning could not get over. Let's see what the exit velocity was on that double. 104.6. 104.6. Hits uh, 850 expected. Batting average 391 feet. That is a barrel. Um, and then Fermil Reyes grounds out and strands him out there. The next time he comes up, uh, he doubles to lead off the inning, which, you know, great sign here. At this point, we're only down one nothing. He doubles to lead off the inning. But then Fermil Reyes grounds out the third base, and this is when things get interesting. So Jose Ramirez is called out going to third. I say called out because he is not actually tagged by the Mariners infielder. The Mariners infielder whiffs on the tag, but again, our old friend Angel Hernandez says that he left the base path. He ran out of the base path, and that is why he is out. Now, you might have watched that replay and thought, well, he ran in the grass. He ran on the infield grass to avoid the tag. That must be why he's out. Well, the base path rules are a little more complicated than that. This is from the umpirebible.com. Um, the rules on the base path and the running lane. Now, the, there is no base path. There is, despite what you think, you could draw lines in the dirt. It doesn't matter. There is no base path until someone is attempting to tag a runner out. At that point, a base path is established between wherever that runner is and the base. So if he takes a really wide turnaround second and he's digging for third for a triple, once someone tries to tag him out, that base path is established from the runner to the base they are trying to get to. So he was not out of the base path for running on the grass. Angel Hernandez made the decision that when the infielder attempted to tag Jose Ramirez. Jose Ramirez sidestepped enough that he was, it's three feet. If you go more than three feet off your path to avoid a tag, that is when you were out of the base path. So that was the call being made by Angel Hernandez. So even though you watch the replay and he, yeah, he whiffs on the tag, he does not make any contact with Jose Ramirez. Jose Ramirez in the umpire's view shifted out of his path more than three feet to avoid the tag. So there you go. That is why Jose Ramirez was out there, and it kills the inning. Fermil uh, Reyes is on at first on the fielder's choice. Eddie Rosario walks behind him. Harold Ramirez lines out, and Josh Naylor is forced out, uh, hits into a force out to end the inning. So uh, Harold Ramirez's line out, by the way, it was 108.2 mile per hour exit velocity. Uh, nine ten expected batting average, but it's a line out. That's what I'm saying. That's this expected batting average only gets you so far if you can't actually get the runners in. Um, it does. It literally doesn't matter. You can hit it 108. You can hit it for a nine ten expected batting average, and you could still be a line out that ends a rally. Um, so yeah. So that uh, Jose Ramirez then would come up. He would double again in the sixth inning, this time into the left field corner. Um, and uh, this time, Jordan Luplo, who had walked ahead of him, hustles to third. And Ramirez, actually, this is a hustle double here. I You might think that it might have been a single and then kind of a fielder's choice, you know, where the fielder decided to throw the ball. Because uh, it looked like the fielder was going to throw the ball towards third. The cutoff man gets it. And then tries to come back to second base to get Jose Ramirez, who was hustling in for a double. I think the fact that Jose Ramirez hustled and beat the throw is why he got credit for a double and not a single and, you know, advancing on the throw. Um, so, yeah, he doubles. This time the Indians are able to get the runs in because they got runs on second and third to start the inning. But it's with a ground out and a ground out from Fermiel Reyes and Eddie Rosario. And we have to do better than that. This is your four and five hitter. These guys should be racking up the RBIs. They should be racking up the extra base hits. Instead, two weak roundouts. And the Mariners pretty much give us those two runs. They pretty much trade two runs for two outs at this point in the game. The sixth inning, they've got a big lead. They had just put up three runs. Um, so, yeah, they were feeling good. And uh, they let's have these runs, basically. So that was Jose Ramirez's day. It was a really good day. Um I mean, that's basically the Indians' offense. Uh, the only other person who delivered was Harold Ramirez hits a ninth inning home run on a, a a slider at the top of the zone that he just cranks out to the bullpen. Other than that, the box score looks really rough for the Indians. Harold Ramirez did have two hits. Um, Eddie Rosario had did have a hit, did have a single, although he had two hard hit balls yesterday. Luplo had a hard hit. He flew out deep to left field, but... Only gets credit for a walk and a run. Cesar Hernandez leading off was credited with three hard hits. Nothing to show for it. In the bottom of the order, pretty rough. Naylor, Ahmed Rosario, and Rene Rivera and Yuchang Pinch hitting for him in the ninth. All combined to go 0 for 12 at the bottom of the order. So it doesn't matter what those guys are doing in the middle of the lineup getting on. If the bottom of the order can't come through a little bit, we ain't going to get very far. So that was our offense yesterday. I also wanted to look at Eddie Rosario because it feels like we're just not getting our money's worth with Eddie Rosario, and we're really not. Looking at his percentile rankings over on his baseball savant page, um, his expected weighted on-base percentage is in the 18th percentile, expected batting average is 18th, expected slugging is 22nd, Uh, barrel percentage is in the 20th percentile, his width percentage is in the 80th percentile. We're just not seeing it out of Eddie Rosario. Go back to his last full season in 2019, and none of these things jump off the chart, but they get it done. Uh, his expected weighting on base percentage is in the 46th percentile. His expected batting average is in the 55th. His expected slugging is in the 76th percentile. Uh, so, yeah, a lot better. And a lot better in 2019. It is pretty bad. In 2021, there is a lot of blue numbers in his percentile ranking, and blue means poor. Blue means bottom of the league. Uh, you want to see those things being bright red, red hot. Um, so, yeah, that's not great for Eddie Rosario. Looking at some of the other stat cast numbers, I'm trying to figure out what the difference is between seasons past and what's happening, his barrel percentage is down. It's early, but his barrel percentage is only 4.8%. He had been in the six, seven, eight percentage range with his barrels in seasons past. The exit velocity isn't down. The exit velocity is right there where he averages in the 80s, in the high 80s. Um, his launch angle is a little down. Uh, the last few years, he had been getting it up to 18, 16, 17% launch angle. This year, he's at only a 14.5 degree launch angle. This year, he's only at a 14.5 degree launch angle. Uh, his expected batting average is down from years past. It's only at 215 right now. His expected slugging is under 400 for the first time since 2016. He had been in the high 400s, and 2019 he was at 490 expected slugging. So, yeah, it's it's way down. These numbers are are down for him. But there's nothing here that really stands out as, like, what is he doing this year that he hasn't done in years past. Looking at his uh, effectiveness against different pitches, his pitch tracking on baseball savant, uh, in years past, I'm going to... In years past, he has handled the fastball better. In 2019, he was a 299 hitter. A true, a true, this is true batting average, 299 against the fastball. In 2018, he was a 307. In 2017, he was a 299 hitter against the fastball. The last two years... In the shortened 2020 season, he was only a 219 hitter against the fastball. This year, he's only hitting 220 against the fastball. So that could be something. That could be something that he's struggling against fastballs. So digging into this, I could keep going. His batted ball profile looks about the same from seasons past. Whether it's pull straight, opposite field, those numbers all look the same. Ground balls to fly balls, he is hitting a little bit more ground balls and a little less fly balls than he has in the past. Uh, but yeah, I think struggling against the fastball might be the one number on here that's a, that really pops to me, that really stands out on all the numbers on this baseball savant page. That's the one that probably stands out to me the most is why we're not getting our money's worth right now with Eddie Rosario. So there's still a long way to go, still a long season to go, but that's where we stand right now in mid-May. Um, you know, in mid-May is kind of, you know, known as the, you know, the quarter poll of the season. Uh, we're about 40 games in right now. We're at 37 games in. So this is about where you start to assess, you know, are these early season trends or are these trends going to continue? All right. The last storyline, Tristan McKenzie, he struggled again. He did. He did. He, uh, there are times when he just looks great, and there are times where he just cannot stop making mistakes. He only gave up four hard hit balls yesterday, but everything he gave up was uh, for extra bases. Uh, if we go over to the Illustrator here, he did not, he gave up one single. Everything else was a home run or a double. He gave up two home runs, two doubles, uh, two walks, and I believe six strikeouts uh, for Tristan McKenzie yesterday. So, uh, final line is four and a third, five hits, five earned runs, three walks, six strikeouts. And the big problem for him was the home run. He gave up two big home runs. And I want to go and look at those matchups. And let's flip this over back to the pitch type. And let's go to the first at-bat against Mitch Hanniger. And like we said, Hanniger is a home run hitter. This dude hits bombs. And Tristan McKenzie made what I consider to be a really bad mistake for pitchers. He threw them the same pitch in the same spot, two pitches in a row, and you cannot get away with it. Both pitches were down the middle of the plate. He looks at the first one. He takes a slider, takes a slider right down the pipe at the letter, a little bit below the letters, and uh, takes it for a called strike on the first pitch. Throws them the exact same pitch. A little less spin, a little less break, threw it a little harder, almost two miles per hour harder, and he cranks this one to the upper decks in left center field for a home run. 107.4 mile per hour exit velocity, 438 on the distance. Yeah, that's an expected batting average of a 1,000. So yeah, his 12th home run on the season for Mitch Haneker. You can't do that. You cannot give a guy... The same pitch in the same spot, especially up like that. All right. The next home run came from Dylan Moore. And uh, I think the Indians are proving that Dylan Moore might be a power hitter after all. Uh, and he threw him a ton of sliders. Threw him four sliders in this at-bat and a waist-high fastball. Uh, starts him with a slider in the dirt. Another, it gets him to slide, uh, a swing through a slider on the outside edge. Throws the 4 fastball way high, easy to lay off. Throws him another slider down that he swings through and then drops the last slider going for the strikeout, drops it right down the middle of the plate, and he knew this one was a mistake. 104.8 miles per hour, 409 feet on the distance uh, in the center field for a home run. He knew it. You watch his reaction on the mound. He knew it. He jumps up. He's mad. He knew he hung this one. And this is, uh, this is, again, another mistake from Tristan McKenzie, not going through the slider too many times because the slider was actually a pretty effective pitch for him yesterday. He had a 44% CSW on his slider. Of 10 swings against his slider, 7 whiffs from Mariners hitters. But <laughs> but the 3 that they put in play, they had an average exit velocity of 1052 they had a minimum exit velocity of 103.3 and a max of 107.4. So the three they did get, they put them in play and they hit them really, really hard. So one time it's showing a guy a pitch and letting him see it again for a home run. The, se- the second time, it's just hanging one. It's just a simple pitcher's mistake of hanging a breaking ball. And he paid for it both times, and and the Indians paid for it. I mean, that was it was really hard for the Indians to scratch back from that. So that's all my thoughts. That's kind of my breakdown of yesterday. We got some history on Justice Sheffield. We got some breakdowns on Rosario and Ramirez, and we learned something, right? We learned something about the base path. So next time you see a runner going really wide around a base and you're thinking to yourself, is he out of the base path? Know that the base path does not exist until they are trying to tag him. All right, that's all my thoughts. We, uh, we need Shane Bieber once again. Doesn't it feel like this comes up a lot? We need Shane Bieber to uh, get us back on the winning path. We need him to salvage a series. If we could split with the Mariners, I think we'll all feel a little better about this weekend. It's a 4-10 start, so there's no excuses for everyone to be watching this game. Uh, they're starting Duger against us, so it looks like it might be a bullpen game. For the Seattle Mariners. Duger already pitched in this series. He pitched on Thursday. So it looks like we might be getting a bullpen game from the Mariners here. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball morning. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at Cleveland Baseball Mornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Morning, so you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.